Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. All right, so here we are. This is going to be one of the better tour coaches we've had in a while. We hadn't had one in a while where we've been out having a glass of wine or two. Sitting here with, uh, actually, my Sherpa. <laughs> New student slash Sherpa. The Sherpa. We call him the Sherpa. And uh, Seth, my Sherpa. And Rick Lamb. Some people call him Mr. Monday now. Mondayed into Honda. Uh, has Mondayed into Dominican Republic. Played nice, really nice down at the Honda. Ball striking stats were good. Rick, thanks for sitting in. I don't know that you've sat in one-on-one -on -one with me since the kitchen sessions. Yeah, that you had in Mobile. About two years ago. Yeah, over two years ago. A little over two years ago, because it was right before COVID. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the journey here. And we were kicking this around as we were having a glass of wine. And special shout out to our girl Trish. It was Kachina Restaurant. Trish, the co-owner, hostess, phenomenal job this evening, and certainly warmed up to us. Top-notch place. Top-notch. Unbelievable. If you're in Palm Beach, that's the place to go and tell Trish. Tony from the tour coach and the Dew Sweeper sent you. Tony from Lower Alabama sent you. From Lower Alabama. So um, let's talk about, so I always like, whenever we do one of these Sherpa, I like to give a little bit of a lesson. Like I think there's things people can learn because we have lots of golfers of all levels that listen. And uh, I think in this age of immediate gratification, there's this desire to like go. So you took a lesson today from me. We did have a little bit of success. I kind of pulled some good stuff out after the eight and a half hour car ride. But Rick, not every time when you start working on something do you have immediate, immediate success. You see bright spots and whatnot. But uh, the last two years you haven't you haven't played up to the standards you'd want or I'd want. But you've had bright spots and you've seen you've seen that you've progressed. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of people are just quick to just make change, make change, make change. And to me that. Every time you change, you start back at zero. Let's talk a little bit about that. And then also kind of how you transformed into moving down here to South Florida, because I've had a blast coming down here with you, obviously. <laughs> but I also think it's been phenomenal for your game and the stuff you've done with Colby while you've been down here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you tell me where you want to take it, but that's, I think all those things are true. I mean, we've been working together for two and a half years and basically been doing the same stuff over and over and over and it's finally starting to show some progress and we have obviously had some some good weeks here and there and um but we've just kind of stayed the course and obviously on top of that being down here in florida i think has been phenomenal for my game i only hasn't even been really three months but just the the progress i've made down here and Especially in the wintertime when the weather's so good, you can get down here and get some good work in. A lot of good players, too. Yeah, I mean, all the best players in the world are down here, with the exception of maybe a few guys. But, I mean, Tiger's down here, Rory's down here. That's all you Literally need. everybody. Right, Brooks. I mean, yeah. yeah. So let's, but let's just talk about the last two and a half years. How did you approach it? 
where you're not always playing good, but you're seeing good signs. You're seeing signs of life. You're seeing positive weeks. You had some really, really good weeks, and especially, I thought you played really nice at the U.S. Open last year, especially the first round or so. Uh, you had stretches. You played great. Didn't always put it all together. But how do you, as a player, how did you evaluate things where you said, hey, not always doing things where like I'm getting my card or finishing X, finishing Y, but I know I'm making progress to where you don't just abandon ship and you change change course. Because I think one of the things that happens to people out there is I think that they go on these short-term deals or they, I think players hit a rough stretch and the initial reaction is to just change, right? And I, and I mean, I know I'm probably biased because I'm a coach and I'm normally the guy getting fired, but like, I th- but I don't, I don't know that change is always the best thing. I think sometimes you can even regroup within your team, yeah, and absolutely. and and like and and head in the right direction. How did you go about? where like not always hitting your goal every year, but you feel like you're still making progress. Well, I think to the point that you just made is, I think the biggest thing is having communication with your team, and I think I've finally gotten. I've I've had other points in my my short career where I've had a good team around me and it it didn't pan out to to be a long lasting team but but I've had some great right. guys around me and I think right now the guys that I've got helping me out are as good as they get I mean I've obviously enjoyed working with you Colby's transformed my body and helped me tremendously in the gym which translates to success on the golf course and I mean there's just a lot of a lot of good people around me that are helping me out. Yeah, no, I, I I like that, and I think that the ability to look past week in week out, talk about your move down here and why it's been so good, and and I love the fact that you're working so much hand one on one with Colby. We talked a bunch. I think it was in Knoxville last year, around Knoxville last year, and we talked about some stuff that your body couldn't do out of the top. The yeah. ability for your lower body to separate from your upper body. Yeah. And we talked about how from the top of the swing your upper body would tend to kind of outrace your lower body and you would kind of lean into it and that would be when yeah. you back out of it. And we talked about the need uh, to physically get better. And, and to me, from then on, even though you'd done some stuff, you made a serious commitment to get better. Yeah, I mean, I think that is, to a certain degree, is a lot of it was just a lack of consistency in, in my routine. I mean, I had, when I was living down in Sea Island, I, I had a good some good people around me and I decided to move to Nashville and that kind of, put a wrench in a few things in terms of being able to work with certain people. And what just made you to, decide to move to Nashville? I loved living in Sea Island, but moving to Nashville is kind of always something I thought about doing from when I was at the University of Tennessee. I got a lot of friends that ended up there after college. It's a cool town. It's always a fun town. I've always had a good time there, and I just figured I was young and single and wanted to, to buy a house and met a great girl there named Emily, and we've been dating for a couple of years, and so it's been a good move for me and um (laughs) yeah i think it was good for my life away from golf not necessarily great for my golf game and i think moving down to florida has kind of put me back on track for how do you think we're going to digress here for a minute sherpa i think the life away from golf for you is as important as the life with golf yeah and i think that as players become more happy and more comfortable overall with their life away from golf they become eventually better players and like I think that like maybe your golf game didn't progress the way you wanted while you were living in Nashville the fact that you found stuff that you know you found a great girl and Emily you're happy 
and you, you had a good life where you enjoyed doing stuff away from golf course, I think bodes well ultimately more long-term for you as a player because I don't think you can just totally self-absorb yourself into golf and be a happy human being. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I've heard you talk to Greg Carton about this on your podcast. I've talked to Greg about it. It's, I mean, there's, to a certain degree, obviously we're, sort of living out our childhood dreams playing professional golf and playing on the corn fair or pga tour whatever your dream was but to a certain degree if you're if you don't have things going on outside of golf that make you happy like it's just it's not a lot of fun out there i would say so i think moving to nashville and me and emily's kind of given me a perspective of like golf is not the most important thing in my life which obviously takes a little pressure off the performance aspect does it make it easier to practice doing that, like, or make you want yeah, to practice more or work? I've actually, How's it change I've actually, how you work? I've probably practiced less since I've moved to Nashville um, and just sort of getting that that more kind of, I'd, I guess I'd say it's um, quality over quantity. So, I mean, you can, when I was in Sea Island, it was just golf all the time, which was great, especially as a young professional, because there's so many guys down there that you can learn from, so many experienced guys. There's guys really at every level. There's from Davis Love down to Grayson Sig, who's a rookie on the PGA Tour. I mean, there's just you can learn from every single one of them, and right. you're just you're in a competitive environment day in and day out. You're working out with these guys. You're trying to beat them on the golf course. So it's it's a great environment to be in as a young pro, but it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for anything else. And I would say this from having spent some time there, I think that. Like, I think it's an amazing place. I spent some time teaching there. Yeah. But I also think that young guys, um, Emilio Gonzalez, who's yeah. a student of mine and, 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 and a great all-around guy, he's friends of all of us. But, like, I think you find yourself where it's a one-sided deal and you become, you know. Yeah, I, you mean, you some, to a certain degree, like, you you could feel like a robot because you're just doing golf all, all the time. Day, right? Like, you don't. Like you're you're young, you should be going having fun with your buddies. Go go to a football game, or you should be able to go to a bar and yeah. see chicks, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. you know, I mean, let's face it. Yeah. So, do you feel like your your quality of of practice and everything with the, the Sherpa Nash- speaks? Yeah, the moving to Nashville and everything like went up because you were able to check out a little bit. You know, go enjoy things outside of golf, and then you know restarting in the morning again. Do you feel like that whole quality? Of, of practice I think I think the quality of my life went up I don't think the quality of my practice went up because I wasn't in a good routine I didn't have a trainer there I was trying to do my own stuff in the gym and I wasn't consistent and obviously it's hard to evaluate what you need because if you're trying to make workouts for yourself you're going to do stuff that you like to do you're not going to do the hard stuff that you don't want to do which is the stuff Colby makes me do right so, so let's transition that to moving here mm-hmm. right so now you're happy in life uh, with Emily and living down here got a great place to play and practice there's good places and then also you're with Colby and everybody that listens to this knows my feelings on Colby he's been the biggest influence on my teaching in the last decade because of the ability to help people do the I say this like the things that I'm trying to get you to do right and his positive influence on all of us talk a little bit about how working with him has made it easier if it's easier or whatever how it's help the stuff we're trying to do in your golf swing. Yeah, I mean, I think from the first time I worked with him in the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, I knew him from when I was mm-hmm. on tour back in the day. I just went and say hi to him or whatever. Yeah. That was really 
the extent of our relationship, but when we you had him up to uh, Sea Island, I guess it was early in the pandemic, he gave me an evaluation, he gave me a couple things that I should work on in the gym and worked on them a little bit and they seemed to translate pretty well, pretty quickly to my game and started working with him that fall where he'd send me some stuff and I'd do it in the gym and it, it definitely helped, but I wasn't as consistent with it as I have been the last three months that I've been here where I can go see him when I'm in town rather than on an off week flying down to Florida from Nashville instead of yeah. kicking my feet up at home. I also think what he does is different in the fact that what he gives you is specifically designed for what you're working on in your golf swing. Yeah. And I've said this a million times. I've whatever talked at some things and I've said like, I would always, you know, I've always been around fitness people and they would come in and they would just tell you all this stuff you need to do and they'd give you their opinion. But a lot of it didn't coincide or mesh just with what you're doing in your golf swing and you got all this stuff to do. Whereas if you've got four exercises that directly relate to what we're trying to do in the golf swing, I think to me, it's way easier to be hyper-focused on it and to, and then also to see how it translates. Yeah, well, I think that's what makes Colby so good is that he's he gives, I think with, with golf and the training aspect of it, there's foundational, fundamental things yeah. that every single guy needs to do on a weekly basis or a daily basis and then there's things that personally you need to work on and Colby's mm -hmm. good at identifying the things you need to work on and giving you the structure of right you need to do this all the time and just do it over and over and over and over until you master it and then do it more because I think that's what I mean that's what we're all looking for is consistency and if you have a consistent routine if your body's as dialed in as it can be on a daily basis because you're doing the right stuff you're going to play good golf and what people don't always see is they'll see the videos he puts up of you in the gym or the videos i put up of you hitting but they don't see the group text of me saying hey with you and colby on the text hey we're trying to get him to turn more into his right side yeah like because you're backing out of it or whatever it is and then all of a sudden four minutes later bam, bam, I got you. Yeah. And it's like four exercises. You need to do this. This is going to help you do it. Yeah. And that's what I love about it is that I can put us on a group text. You can do on the range. If I'm with you, I can do right. on the range right away and you can see an immediate impact. It changes your swing slightly and gets you closer to where you want to be. And we're going to do this with Sherpa some tomorrow, but like, <laughs> that's what I love about his exercises is we can do some of those, which helps, you know, it helps you learn whatever the, the, body mechanics or the body motion is and helps you do it without using a club so now let's shift to the monday quality let's talk about so you got partial corn fairy status right but you've kind of chosen like you, you know hey played in the u.s open last year played well you want to play the pga tour you've played on the pga tour let's talk about your mindset and your thought process and then you monday into honda and let's talk a little bit about that and how you played at honda and what our thought process is going forward yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of, I guess, the biggest shift that I had this offseason was, I mean, everybody's goal is to play on the PGA Tour and play at the highest level and play in the biggest tournaments. And I think my best shot at doing that is playing Monday qualifiers. And if I have a good week, I can play my play, potentially play my way into the Corn Ferry playoffs. Or if I play great, I can somehow play my way into some status out there. I mean, that's, I guess that's where I want to be that's where I see myself playing golf if, I, if I'm going to continue to do this that's where I want to be so I think that's at where I am right now with my sass that's the most direct route I have is I can go play Monday qualifiers and try to get into the tournament and play as good as I can so when you Mondayed into Honda thought Honda was a great 
you played well, but I thought it was a great tournament for you from the fact that, like, it reminded me of the U.S. Open. I mean, it's a ball strikers golf course. Like, it's not – and I'm not making fun of a Corn Ferry golf course, but a Corn Ferry golf course, generally speaking, you hit it and you wedge it, right? Yeah, you just – You're a ball you striker. That, you play golf. Yeah, you don't get that challenge as as often on the Corn Ferry Tour. There's, there's a few. There's a few weeks here and there, especially more towards the playoffs where you got to – you got to step up and play some good golf, but for the most part, guys are shooting twenty to twenty-six under to win a tournament. Um, and I think I I do better when it's more plot your way around, and you gotta you gotta just strike your ball. I love hard golf. The U.S. Open was obviously awesome to play in a major, but I was more excited because I wanted to see how my game measured up. What did you US take Open. from that? What you when you left the U.S. Open at Tory? What did you take from it? What did it tell you about your game? I think that first round and the last round were probably the most important for me because obviously the first round we were delayed and we only played 13 holes, but I was, I hit the ball as good as I've hit it in a long time. I was in complete control and it, I obviously didn't make many putts that first day, but it showed me that my game, when it's clicking, can I can play a US Open golf course pretty damn well. Which tells you you can play with anybody. Yeah. Honda, what did you take from that? Similar in terms of just just the grind of the week. I mean, it was obviously a tough golf course, and you're kind of on that knife's edge all week of trying to get some momentum going and make some birdies and shoot two to four under, and you can kind of pass some guys doing that, trying to balance that out with avoiding the all that Really, if you shot even each day, you moved up. You know, yeah. it's interesting watching yeah. this. Shot even, you moved up, which yeah. is a good feeling like as a coach. You watch a guy, if you, to me, as a, a tournament's a good tournament. If you shoot even par one under and you move up some, yeah. the golf course is set up pretty good and fair. That's kind of what yeah. I think. I mean, I thought that week was a good a good measuring stick for my game to where, obviously, I, I played some good golf and showed some signs of good golf, but I didn't feel like I was really – I didn't feel like I putted that well. Felt like I had a couple of sloppy mistakes that led to double bogeys, and which is just something you can't you can't make double bogeys on tour. What did you do that was a sloppy mistake? Um, I think I made a double bogey on the 18th hole in the first round. I got a little aggressive to a pin, where I mean, if I hit it 15 feet short of the hole, you got a good chance of birdie or 10 feet or whatever. And I wanted to hit it to two feet to it pretty tucked pin that I didn't have any room to miss long on and I missed long. Yeah. So, and then Sunday, I was mean... Was that more getting caught up in the moment? You're playing good? And you're yeah, playing I mean, good. I think it was... I was struggling. I struggled to get some momentum going early in the round and then I started hitting good on the back nine and just made a birdie on 17 and just felt like I, things were clicking and to be honest, I just hit a shot and just flushed it through the wind and plugged it in the back bunker. So, but it's just one of those things where you you got to take risks if you want to play good golf, right. and it's sometimes you pay the price. What about now? So you felt good coming out of there. Same type of feeling coming out of Honda. You felt like your game's trending in the right direction, and yeah, I mean good it's about it. obviously a, a good way to sure solidify and um, get gain confidence in the work you're doing with you and Colby, and um, the obviously the move down here just to have a little bit of progress early on is. Obviously, a nice validation, I guess you can say. I don't know. What's your frame of mind? I mean, you're going to get asked about this a gazillion times. Like, what's your frame of mind when you go play on Monday? Like, is it the same as every. I, I was just curious because, like, that golf course y'all played this past week, I walked it the week before some 
which I think was the Puerto Rico Monday. Yeah, same right? place. Yeah. Right? So it was the same place. Miami Lakes or International of the Lakes. Yeah, Miami right next to the Miami Airport. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of a quirky, like, it had some quirky holes on it, right? Yeah, I, was, I thought it was overall a decent golf yeah. course, but just not in very great condition. But I'd have been pissed off if I paid $500 to play that. Well, yeah, I, they don't charge people that, do they? They do for guys with no status. But damn. Um, so that's something for the Monday morning. Yeah. Monday qualifier guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but I walked it. Uh, I walked probably six, seven holes. I watched Zach and Tom play some the Monday before. Yeah, I was just watching the score. Uh, anyways, I was just curious, like, what's your thought process when you go into that? Do you go into it where you're like, yeah, I got, yeah, I got to shoot eight under? Or, I mean, because some guys play better in Monday, some guys don't play worth a damn in them. How do you approach playing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an attitude thing. You got to show up and just think that you're the best player there and go play as good as golf as you can. To be honest, I like going into them blind. I don't like playing practice rounds for them, and I've had a lot of success. I think that's cool, though. I played this one this past Monday for the Dominican blind. I played a mini-tour event on Saturday and Sunday, so I didn't have a chance to get over there for a practice round. Because I I think it makes you play the hole that's in front of you because you don't know what's coming up. In a Monday qualifier, I think that's important because you, you it's a sprint. you got to be as focused as you can on every shot. You can't be like, all right, well, i got a birdie hole coming up. Like You're trying to birdie right. the hole that's in front of you. So. Everybody does that, too. If you know the yeah. golf course, they're like, okay, I know seven or whatever. I can birdie, you know, seven or eight, and then you kind of fall asleep on five and six. All right, so let's let's go ahead and talk about the idea of not playing a practice round. How the hell did you come up with that? Because I think, I mean, every golfer could learn from this, in my opinion. What the hell made you decide that not playing a practice round was better? I think I figured it out in 2015 when I didn't have status. It was my second summer as a professional. I had Monday qualified in the summer before for the first time in Knoxville. I was familiar with the golf course, and obviously it was exciting to qualify, play my first corn ferry event in Knoxville. But anyway, the next summer I qualified for five and Mondays and then I think I topped 25 in one or two. Wait a minute, you, you Mondayed five times? In two, yeah, 2015. Mr. Monday. Mr. Monday's right. So I would say there was a few events that were kind of back to back where I made the cut, played the weekend, didn't play well enough to get into the next week. So I'd have to fly from Boise, Idaho to San Francisco and play the Monday qualifier the next day after I played on Sunday. And I'd have to play blind because I'd get in at like midnight and yeah. go play whenever my tea time is in the afternoon or the morning or whenever. Go play on Monday, go play blind. And I kind of picked up on that probably that week in San Francisco when I did that. Uh, it was probably the second or third time I'd done it. And I just, it kind of clicked for me and I was just, I was playing good golf and I was just like, I mean, this is kind of great because I don't know what's coming up. I don't know what's in front of me. I'm literally hitting the shot that's in front of me. And it just, for what, I don't know. Which is what, like, clicked. every person always talks about playing golf, right? Yeah, and the it's most hard, important if, if shots you know the golf, It's impossible to do if you know the golf course. Impossible. Yeah. Because your brain is going to go there, and you just got to find a way to switch back to where you are. Yeah. Yes. But if you haven't played the golf course, you can't. You physically, like, you literally can't. You don't know what's coming. It'd be a great thing for Dr. Greg 
figure out how to teach us all to pretend we don't know the golf course, right? It's true. I mean, I, I hear a lot of scratch golfers say, you know, when they're playing a golf course, like, oh, if I can take advantage of the par fives and, you know, and make a couple birdies there, yeah, you're going to have, you know, hopefully birdie another par four somewhere in the round, but have a bogey here and there. Oh, you know, two under is very gettable. That's the expectation. And so do you think that'd be beneficial for, you know, I, I've heard that multiple times. Do you think that'd be beneficial for, you know, the average golfer, I mean, not even the average, but a scratch golfer to not think about that mentality? And of course, they've even played a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, I think for anybody, expectations kind of ruins your golf game because either if you expect to play good, you're trying to live up to, in your mind, what playing good is. And every round of golf is different. I mean, you, you can score, you can shoot 68 and feel like you didn't play that good, or you can shoot 72 and feel like you played great. So that's just how golf is. And I don't think expectations help you play good. And if you have bad, if you have negative expectations, sometimes you play great rounds. So it's kind of, there's no rhyme or reason for it. Um, yeah, I mean, Greg, I remember one of the first things we did, because I was old school being brought up, like where if you have a negative thought, like it's a bad deal, right? Yeah. And, it, and it'd be like, well, how many times have you thought good things, but you've hit a shitty shot or you've hit, or you're like, oh, don't hit it there, but you've hit a good one, right? Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, I think that one of the things I've learned from him is that it's natural to have bad thoughts. It's how you handle them, and right? But one of the things I wanted to ask you, and we can kind of wrap up towards this, is uh, I had the good for, I've met him at the U.S. Open and talked again at the Honda was you've got a friendship with Paul Azinger. Spent some time with him. Talk a little bit about some of the stuff you've learned from him. You don't have to give away all your trade secrets, but I've found the philosophy and some of the stuff that he's talked about with you to be fascinating. And to me, it's just a gem of a gift being able to talk with some of these guys that have had so much success playing the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think that's that's something I've talked to you about is trying to seek out guys that have been in the arena doing it and have had success doing it and I think my relationship I'm very lucky to have met Paul I met him through my twin brother and my buddy Sean Jacklin over in Bradenton they started playing with him out at the concession and mm-hmm. I started I would go over there and play with them a couple times and got to know Paul and he's he's become a, a big influence on my golf game my short game especially and also just sort of my philosophy of how I approach my practice how I approach preparation for tournaments all of it so he's he's helped me tremendously give us one thing like something that changed what was different something tell give us something different that he told you that was different than what you were doing i mean there's some a couple things like with like fundamentals of how i was like my actual like physical motion with chipping and pitching that he's helped me he's helped me learn how to release the club and use the balance better and so stuff like that, which is more on the fundamental side, and then also just how to practice better and get more out of my practice. And, pra- and he he taught me that there's a certain area that I was neglecting, which is sort of like off-speed wedges and really how important those are. You've because, done awesome with those. Because anybody can hit a full swing shot to their number, but if you got to hit a shot that's what you, I guess, call an off-speed shot, like a 60-yard where it's a half swing or whatever, those are the things that if, if you can't, if you don't know what that feels like, you're probably not going to pull that shot off. What about like you practice religiously the 30, 40, 50 yard shots? Yeah, I mean that just goes and not along. everybody that just does goes, that. That just goes along. I mean that's that's what 
it's helped my wedge game tremendously and sort of my confidence on the golf course, just knowing what that feels like. So that's I just something I try to, it's a fundamental in, in my practice now that I work on those off-speed pitches and in a lot of them are shorter than than you'd ever think that you should ever practice which it's amazing how many times amazing, you but once once you're aware of that and you get out on the golf course you're shocked by how many times you have these little soft wedges or or however you want to hit the shot but off speed wedges right. amazing like i when you when we started talking about it i think we were actually over at that sea palms sneaking in a session because we weren't allowed at fred so uh well i mean it's the truth so we were we snuck over to sea palms and we did a little session and uh we you were hitting those 30 yard shots and 40 yard shots but i just you started looking at the 30 yard shots and we were talking and you're like i mean how many times do you actually get that like par fives miss the green All the pins time. at the back 30 yard shot right same thing long par four like how many of those you get you get two three four of those rounds yeah. You know, and you get those up and down. And if you just get one more up and down than you normally would, that's four shots for a tournament. That's the difference between 15th place and third place sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing from, I've talked to Paul such like a, just a nanosecond of what you've done, but it's just listening to him is the mindset. And it's a mindset of a guy that knows he's going to be successful yeah. and knows he's going to win. And, and I mean, to me, the stuff he talks about, it's always just like, you're going to do this. You got to do this. You got to do that, right? It's, like, it's amazing how simple it is in his mind. Correct. And he's so good. It's at brilliant, our, though. He's so good at articulating thoughts and feelings. Um, but it's just so simple in his mind. And it's amazing. He's just like, it's what he says this all the time. He goes, it's a simple game, boys, but it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's what golf is. It's everybody knows what they have to do but it's not easy to do it when you seek out these these guys that have had past experience do you feel like it's more on the the technique or different ideas and and the information that you get do you feel like it's more on the the mental side of a different way to look at things from the the mental approach to the game or is it just all over the place depending on the guy yeah i think you get different information from from each player because everybody's carved their own path and they've got their own sort of foundational beliefs at what it, about what it takes to become a good golfer because whatever they did got them to where they went in their career and that's what they believe in. I think the stuff I've learned from Paul is more about like how how to practice, how to prepare and sort of how to carry yourself as a player which is I think has helped me more than anything. I think that's yeah and I, and I think it's the same like I know and I'm just speaking from a teacher's point of view, but like when I've gone to watch other great teachers, people that I admire and respect, not just the information, like the X's and O's of teaching that I'm watching. I know from the couple of times I've observed Butch and everybody knows I'm a huge Butch fan, but like it wasn't just the X's and O's of Butch. It was how he carried himself as a teacher, how he handled himself in front of a student, how he thought about teaching and, well, and, and those think, things are think, just as important. I think from your perspective, it's all about who the player is and knowing how how you can get, like with our relationship, how you can get the most out of me. Right. I and mean, I'm someone who, if I'm not doing the right things, I need to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. And that's how I respond to that, I guess. Some guys need a, probably a more delicate approach, but I think that's a challenge that, for you guys is figuring out how to get the most out of the player. You have guys that, you know, you have guys that are, you know, 
super hard on themselves or you're beaten up at home or whatever like they don't need to be yelled at more yeah they need you to put their arm around and tell them that you're doing an okay job and hey we're on the right track or somebody just to go have fun with right you know? and then there's guys that man like we have plenty of fun but you gotta go hey we don't need to wander off things that we're doing we gotta stick yeah. to what we're doing because we're doing the right stuff and or you know what you're doing the right stuff but you haven't been in the gym in three weeks yeah. and your ass isn't moving as good right I mean I think that's the art of teaching Absolutely. Sherpa, any party comments? This has been a good one. No, I don't think I really, uh, I mean, have anything other than... Hey, how'd you like your first lesson with me today? I gotta say, it was it was, it was pretty good. I don't want to get your head too big, but, uh, you know, it was pretty good. I'm excited for... Uh, was it as good as dinner with me at Kachina? Uh, I don't know. That that had some, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good scenery <laughs> entertainment value is high BDR awesome stuff can't wait to go to Dominican gonna keep the roll going Sherpa we're gonna get after it again tomorrow look forward to another one thanks for sitting in thanks for listening to this edition of the tour coach I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab as well as my sponsors Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.